Well, we will be in Exodus 31. We're not going to start there, but that is going to be our main text basically for today. We are um, starting something new. Um, but before I get to the something new, I just want you to kind of, I want to let y'all in on where I'm at. Um, I, I wrote a little bit about this yesterday um, in a long email, if you got that. Um, but I just, like, we're going to start our new series of Christ and Controversy on the Sabbath, on resting. And I would say to you this, like, you may not think that's very controversial, but I can tell you my experience this summer has truly been one of controversy, and that is really the one that I, the truth that I know to be true, and the truth that I cannot live yet. Um, I was on sabbatical this summer. It's not a quote. It's actually a real thing. I see. I'm, I'm all discombobulated. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, uh, I was on sabbatical from June and July, right? And I'd say, like, for most of June, I couldn't let y'all go in my mind. There were things that were happening, and I wanted to intervene, and I wanted to text, and I wanted to do all the things that, like, I would normally do and get involved in the life of the body. Um, that's my job, right, is to be present uh, with you all. And so it was very difficult for me to disconnect, and yet... Um, Somehow God met me about three or four weeks into our eight-week break and then allowed me to just like not think about anything, uh, which was beautiful and good and right. But I can tell you we're starting off with sabbatical or with Sabbath rest, a time to disconnect, because ultimately this is a matter of trust. And I remember sitting down with um, our counselor coach, his name is Jim Cofield, and we meet with him regularly and have for some time. I remember sitting down with him about a week or two into my time of sabbatical, and I, got, I said, ultimately, I don't really know how to do this. And he said, well, ultimately, that's a matter of how much you trust God. And if we are not a people of deep, deep wells and reservoirs of trust in a good and gracious and present God, then, then what are we as followers of this Jesus? What are we as believers? But I can tell you that I am confused upon my return. Uh, the first step has been a doozy uh, with all that has gone on in the life of our church in this last week, as we just mentioned. Um, I have a lot of doubt about my abilities, um, about what, not really necessarily about my direction, but about abilities and about like what, what it is, that how it is that I'll lead you in this new place of presence and prayer and trying to go slow. With, if you know anything about Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram 8, so we like to power through things. And so this is very counter uh, my own uh, disposition with the way Lord has brought me and, and, and made me. But truly wanting to have prayer and presence and deep connection with each of you. So if you've noticed, I'm trying to make eye contact a whole lot more with you when I speak with you and not think about what else I have to go do, because that's not as important, candidly. And I need to repent, because I've not done that well throughout my whole life, much less however many years of ministry that has been. So right now, you're all going, ooh, he's making eye contact, and I don't know what to do. There was a point in our sabbatical where I left, and my wife, uh, like I left, and I went to go be with a good friend of mine, and I came back, and I go, I just looked at Melissa, and I go, I just want to stare at your eyeballs. And she was like, okay, that's a lot, though. It's just, <laughs> it's just a lot. I don't know if I can handle that. But just, just craving intimacy and depth of relationship uh, truly is kind of where I'm coming from. And so when we start thinking about um, Christ and controversy, there's no other place for me to, to start than to find rest because it, it is the encompassing uh, thought of being present, of reconnecting with what's most important, of simply being in prayer. 
Um, and I'll say, like, this, this idea of Christ and controversy came from you all. Like, I, I, I threw uh, the idea out, and then you all emailed some topics to me before I left, and not one of you thought Sabbath rest is going to be what we need to start with. But I need to start there, and we'll get to many of the topics that we'll get to. And so, so you know what's coming over probably the month of August and some of September is we'll talk about predestination. We're going to talk about hell. We're going to talk about human sexuality. Um, these are the things that you all, on, 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 on repeat, were the things that we wanted to talk through. Um, I'll add in one or two, like, I think pretty controversial right now is what is church? What is the role of a pastor? Uh, because one of the things that we've talked about upon my return is what, is the, what are the expectations of our people of this church? And I don't know that we came up with a real good consensus as elders and staff over the weekend. But I'll say this, like th this idea of rest and Sabbath is absolutely controversial. And I'll, I'll tell you three little stories to get started. This is going to be an interesting day because I've already been up here like seven or eight minutes and we're still like on line two uh, of a five-page outline. So this is going to be fun. Um, all right, so when I was away, right, somebody came in here. He was a pastor for 30-something years, four decades, let's call it. And he was looking for me and someone told him, hey, man, so glad you're here. Uh, Lance is on sabbatical. And his response was sabbatical what's that I've never had a day off in my life as a pastor for 40 years now he's probably kidding because I know him and I know he's had days off but one has to beg the question why is that something that he may have thought was funny why is that a cultural expectation if you think it's just a pastor with a bad joke which we have plenty of them I've also been working with someone for about three years on a project I told him this project has not come to culmination and I told him I will be out June and July and he goes June and July I said yeah I'm just like not reachable for two months I'm taking a thing called a sabbatical an extended period of rest and he goes well I never heard of that this is not someone that's a believer. And I said, that's fine. And he goes, I've been working for 50 years, and I don't know if I've had two weeks off of work. And you think, all right, well, there's a, maybe someone from a different generation. Well, that would be one way to put it. But then I thought, you know, we're going to go visit my family on Father's Day. And, I, you know, you have those conversations on the way to visit family about what we're going to talk about and what we're not going to talk about, the things that you're going to update them on, the things you're not going to update them on. Alicia, what's up, girl? Good to see you. I'm sorry I didn't see you. Like, uh... Like the things that you're going to talk about and the things you're not going to talk about. Well, the thing that I didn't want to talk about, I just looked at my wife and I go, hey, just don't bring up sabbatical. They will not understand. Because they'll look at me, and if you think my eyebrows go up, I got it from somewhere. They'll just look at me and they'll just go, like, deeply judge me in their mind and go, okay, cool. Well, I don't know. Do you work? Do you work? Do you do anything? Uh, because ultimately that's kind of where we are because culture says this to the American worker. Resting is for the weak. Constant machine-like production is expected. If you cannot do that, we'll find someone else. This is a world in which those are mantras on repeat. And if we're not careful as Christians in an effort to fit in, we forget that's not our job. That's what we just read. Exodus 31. Rest, because it is I that sanctify you, set you apart. I'm the one that sets you apart. We are set apart. We are a people. The ecclesia is the called out people of God. Ecclesia is the Greek word for church. It's the called out people of God. We are called to be different. 
And so this should feel a little different than what our neighbors are up to. We also may have to say no to people that have power over our salaries. Will we trust them? See, that's going to be the rub for all of us uh, when we start thinking about Sabbath rest. But before we get to those challenging questions, which will come, in a culture where resting is for the weak, as Christians, what do we do with the Bible? (laughs) Because the Sabbath rest is God's enduring promise for all of us who would want to believe in a God who came for sinners. It starts in the very first pages of Scripture in Genesis 2, verses 2 and 3. If we don't understand this, we, we, we must recapture the fact that we are made in God's image and God does things like this. He creates the whole world in six days and then it says this in Genesis 2. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day, made it holy, different, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And so I think we just have to ask the question as we go through some of these scripture uh, references. How serious does God take rest? A regular rhythm of rest. How serious does he take it? You see, God's work, God's perfect work of creation, the culmination, the climax of that perfect creation was him not working anymore. You ever wonder why that's in the Bible? Like God could have clearly just created everything in six days and that not be mentioned. Except he mentioned it for our instruction and our learning to invite us into something that if God will rest, then his people who are made in his image should also rest. And you may be thinking to yourself, well, I mean, did God really do this in six literal days? And is that really just a literal day that I'm supposed to take off? Like, let's not be so practical about what God does with his word. Because he created everything by speaking it into existence. Let's not get so practical as to say, really, could he? I mean, mean, he couldn't have done that. That's not practical. Well, are we going to then go, well, it's not really practical for me to rest? as well. I would say that sometimes we get so practical with the mystery of obedience that we miss out on understanding the character and the nature of God because that is found on the other side of obedience. So let's not get practical with the mystery of who God is and what he's called us to do because I would say our understanding is on the other side of our obedience even when we don't understand. So this is a God who modeled out for us beautiful rest, but he also commanded it, did he not? And this is where we'll pick up the text that we just read in Exodus 31. Let's just read it one more time. And I should have just given you verse 12, because verse 12 is literally, and the Lord said to Moses. I don't know why I cut that out. Sorry, Tobins. There you go. Verse 13, and you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, just notice the language, y'all. Above all, hold up. This is, a ten, this is one of the Ten Commandments. Above all? Above all. Some would say that the obedience to the rest of the commandments hinge upon our obedience to Sabbath rest. We forget all the rest of adultery and covenant and idolatry if we don't set apart one day a week. Above all, you shall keep my Sabbath. This is a sign between me and you. See, it's a sign, y'all. It's a symbol. 
It's supposed to represent something that's different about Christians, about the people of God. This is a symbol. This is a sign between you and me and throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. In other words, if we don't set apart a regular rhythm of work and rest, we will forget that it is the Lord who has done the work to set us apart. And therefore, we will tick, pick, pick up a mantle of work and a weight of responsibility that was never ours to begin with. And all of a sudden, we're anxious. All of a sudden, we're working. All of a sudden, we got Flintstone feet. That may be a reference that was over the head of everyone under 40. You know Flintstone feet? No, I can't do it because it's a cartoon. It's a cartoon. Right? But they, they, they spin in place, and all of a sudden you got to go somewhere real fast, and you just can't go anywhere. It's, it's Flintstone feet. That's what we get. But he keeps going. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Again, I ask, how serious does God take rest? Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath for solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. And it is like not very encouraging, and yet it is. This is the way to life. And God makes it very clear. Could you imagine a God who took it that seriously and didn't communicate it to you and just let you figure it out? No, no, he's, he's very clear in his desire for his people. That we would be a people that are set apart for him by simply resting. What a beautiful and different understanding of God. No other religion that I know of will say, man, one way to show that you're my people is to not do a thing. One way to show uh, for you to be my people is usually to come to the temple, to continue to make uh, continuous sacrifices, to give up everything you've got. And that's, that's somewhat true, right? But it's not like the other religions of the world in that day or in this. We must be a people that see this and go, man, why don't we take the Sabbath as seriously as God does? And I'll put myself first. I can tell you right now, I'm terrible at this. It's my first week back this week, and I didn't take a, a, a day of rest. And I thought, I'm like going to preach on this. Surely I'll be able to nail this. Nope. So tomorrow I'm going to take off. And you might be thinking, you just had eight weeks off, dude. You need another one? Yes, I do. Every week. Every week. Absolutely. But why do we not take this seriously? And I would say this. This is what just kind of rose up in me. And as I think about my own life, I would then submit it to you for you to think about with your own life. Is it not because we give in to the lie of the serpent in the garden? In Genesis 3, that we want to become like God, that we look at the tree of knowledge of good and evil, just like Adam and Eve, and we take, we take it into our own hands and we redefine good and evil. We redefine life and death based on what suits us. It's no longer trusting God's boundaries and the limits he has wisely prescribed for us. It is redefining what's good for us based on what we think we can handle. So when we do this, right, we're not stoning one another to death anymore. Like, no one put me to death today. Maybe it was your responsibility to bring the stones. I don't know if someone forgot, but I appreciate you forgetting. We're not doing this anymore, right? But the penalty remains of death. The penalty remains of death. I'll give you some examples. A journalist, I looked this up this week, a journalist asked 23 entrepreneurs 
for their greatest mistakes, and to his shock, he got the same answer over and over. This is the recollection of three of those many stories. Um, John Colgan, I don't know who these people are other than what this, but it's, it's real. I've looked up these people, and they're on these websites. He's a CEO of, of Cellbreaker.com, right? We don't even know what that is, but that's what it, he was. He worked 90 to 100 hours with his coworker. They slept on the floor in their office until one day his coworker canceled a lunch meeting, went home sick, and died of exhaustion. When the autopsy came back, it was stress and exhaustion. That's pretty tragic. That's pretty extreme. John Colgan uh, was that CEO. Another CEO, Chris Dugan of Better Works, was in good shape, but his seven-day-a-week work schedule led him to have a heart attack at the age of 38. If you think, okay, well, that's just a guy that overworked. All right, well, here is a lady, Vanessa Nicole Del Monte, the CEO of Vanessa Nicole Jewels, which is a real company. I looked it up. I wasn't shopping for engagement rings. I don't need to tell my wife anything. Instead, I just was looking it up. She had twin boys, a booming engagement ring business, and a successful book in 2014 and 15, which pushed her to work tirelessly with no days off until she noticed her occasional dizzy spells. But she pushed through those because the window for success was closing and she needed to capitalize. Until one day she passed out on the hood of her car and she woke up to her father resuscitating her. The penalty is still death. The penalty is still exhaustion. The penalty is still your body shuts down over time. I could tell you time after time that I've heard of, of, of not just CEOs, but pastors burning their adrenal glands totally out. And they Sabbath, not because it's prescribed for them, but because if they don't, they will literally die. And if you think, well, that's just CEOs and leaders, friends, don't dismiss yourself from these rhythms. All it takes is the mindset that life is up to you. That's all it takes. All it takes is the mindset that your life, your life is up to you. Your income is up to you. The provision of your children is up to you, or maybe of your wife or of your husband. Your well-being is up to you. Your reputation as a hard worker also up to you. The success of your business is up to you. Your kid's salvation is up to you, so you better get to work. Or really anything else is in your hands because it's when it's in our hands that it cannot be in God's hands. When it's up to us primarily, it cannot be up to God. And so all of a sudden we work. And it is the antithesis of the gospel. I'll unpack that in a little bit. The penalty is certainly still death. And so if you think to yourself, well, I'm not really to that point. Okay, well, I would ask this. How's your soul? Somebody made fun of me yesterday for asking that question. I don't care. I'm going to keep asking it. How's your soul? When's the last time you've connected with the Lord on an intimate level? I'm not talking about like a bunch of like really deep feelings that made you cry, although that would be great. There, I, I, I experienced the Lord in mighty ways this week or this over the summer. I don't know that I cried about it once, but I just sensed him present in different ways than I have maybe recently. How are you experiencing God lately? It, are you just hearing his words that he's pleased with you if you are a Christian? Are you hearing those words that you're a blood-bought son or daughter? You don't have to do anything to impress him. You can't do anything to impress him except to believe. Are you connected with him? And then I would go, okay, if, you're, if, you're, if your relationship, you think your relationship with God is good, how's your relationship with your marriage? Is your wife cool with your pace? Or are there just a little bit of things that are going on underneath her breath? Are you cool with your wife's pace? 
Or are you slamming the cabinets at home? Not that anybody does that. Like these are the ways that we will subtly let each other know that like some rhythms are off here. How about your kids? When they're too loud and you're trying to get on that Zoom call, did you quiet them on a Saturday? It's a Saturday, bro. Sis. There's another word. Uh, I put out a bunch of quotes yesterday. I'll put another quote. This is a, a book that I read a while ago called uh, The Rest of God. Do we quiet our children? He says this, one measure of whether or not you're rested enough is to ask yourself this, how much do I care about the things I care about? When we lose concern for people, both the lost and the found, for the bride of Christ, for friendship, for truth and beauty and goodness, when we cease to laugh when our children laugh and instead yell at them to quiet down, or weep when our spouses weep and instead wish they didn't get so emotional, when we hear news of trouble among our neighbors and our first thought is that we hope it, doesn't, it isn't going to involve us. When we stop caring about the things we care about, that's a signal we're too busy. We've let ourselves be consumed by the things that feed the ego, that starve the soul. Busyness kills the heart. I would ask the men in the room, how are your friendships? It was revealed to me over my time, mine are terrible. I've done a poor job at maintaining some just good, solid friendships that I have had in my life. I didn't know that until I sat still for a month. You may not have a month, but you have today. You have this week. You have a rather irregular rhythm. But you say to yourself, all right, well, that was an Old Testament command, and Jesus came on the scene. I don't know if you know this, Pastor Lance, but if you read your Bible, Pastor, Jesus said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Yes, he did. And so let's just go there in that piece of Scripture. And so we go to Mark chapter 2, right? That Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. If we flipped in our Bibles, if we brought them, or perhaps it will be on the screen. Right? What do we do about this? About this Lord of the Sabbath? Look what he does. In Luke, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 2, verse 27 and 28. This is what we would say. The Sabbath, well, at 28 he says, right, the Son of Man is the Lord even of the Sabbath. Right before that, though, Jesus says the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So a couple of things in this thought about, like, do I really need to obey? It wasn't really... Um, it really isn't really, you know, repeated in the New Testament. And after all, you're right, of the ten big commands, nine of them are repeated in the New Testament. And the one that's missing is keep the Sabbath. And so you may say to yourself, well, see, it's not commanded in the New Testament. I'm off the hook. I'm good to go. I can work however I want to work. All right. Why is it that we continue to relate to God as a master and we're the slave? that he has to say something for us to do it. God is much more than a master for us. He is a father to be enjoyed, not just a master to be obeyed. And so if he says this is the way to life, you just got to trust me, my son. You just got to trust me, my daughter. Will we accept that relationship and go, man, I don't know. I don't want to, but he has my best interests in mind, and I'm going to trust him. But secondly... Let's just look at those words, right? Not just that it's, it's not, quote-unquote, a, 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 a command in the New Testament, but also this is what the Lord says, that the Sabbath was made for man. It's a gift. 
It is a gift. A regular rhythm of rest is a gift for us. You see, the Pharisees made it into something that it was never meant to be, something that, that people were enslaved to, that you have to do this, and if you do it, you're going to die. And it does say that. And then they would create all these boundaries around the Sabbath to where it was just impossible to live. So it's no wonder they're walking through the fields and the disciples break a little kernel of wheat or whatever it was and they eat it. And the Lord just goes, it's fine. This was made for you. This is life giving for you. But also, we may think to ourselves, okay, humanity was enslaved to that as a rule to follow instead of an invitation to enjoy. That's true. And I would say, like, what do you mean by that? Well, if we continue to read in the New Testament, especially in Matthew chapter 11, you don't have to flip there, it's going to come up on the screen. This comes up a lot in sermons, rightfully so. This is our invitation, friends, our invitation to enjoy our good Father. When Jesus says this to all of us, Come to me, all who labor, all who work and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is is light. Will you take Jesus's instrument of labor, a yoke, something that you have to be connected to him in order for him to operate on, on the fields of life? Will you take on your shoulders a labor, an instrument of labor that he's going to work so that his finished work on the cross will then allow you to rest? You see, why we said continuing to work or neglecting the Sabbath is antithetical to the gospel is because it is a picture, this invitation to rest, ultimate rest, is not just one day a week. It is for all eternity. It is not just ceasing from labor. It is ceasing from trying to work for being good enough for God. And so that's why Jesus says, come to me. For all of eternity, come to me and find true, lasting rest. Continue to trust in what I've done for you. Your identity is not found in what you do at work. Your identity is not found in how much you can secure at home. Your identity is not found on whether or not you have a side hustle or not, or how many followers you can work up. Your identity is found in the fact that God sent his son to die for you, to purchase you, and to release you from trying to work to be good enough for him. Because he's done all the work for us. And so my question as we enter into this, as we conclude, I do have some other thoughts, but as we move towards a conclusion, will you re-enter a weekly rhythm of rest so that you can reconnect with what matters? And you may think, well, what matters? Your relationship with the Lord, will you rehearse the gospel on a weekly rhythm? Reconnecting with God, reconnecting with yourself and others without having to accomplish perform or be perfect in any way now because this is controversial and because mo most of us don't do this very well um, I have a little practical guide for how to do this well five steps and then we're done we're going to be somewhat quick number one expect difficulty if you want to uh, like really work to rest expect difficulty your workplace will not care that you're a Christian neither will the softball league or the baseball league or the football league Nobody's going to care. And I'm not saying, no, look, Jesus didn't say do it on a Sunday or a Saturday. He just said weekly. 
right? Regular. So whatever that day is for you, mine t- this week's going to be tomorrow because I know what the week lays for, uh, is ahead for us. It ain't going to be Friday or Saturday, which is where I would normally do it. So tomorrow it is. Find a place and a time when we can do that. Maybe it's for you. It's Saturday. Maybe your rest looks different than mine. But it is a point where we, we must push past the difficulty of resting. There will be things that call on you. I can tell you when I was out, everyone in our church knew I was out. It still didn't stop some people from calling me and asking me for X, Y, or Z. And that's fine. And I just gently said, you need to call another elder. I'm out. I'm out. I I can't. I'm, I'm prescribed to rest during this time. There will be difficulties, right? There will be things that get in our way. And I can tell you that was not a problem for me. What was a problem for me was my own voice. Like an addict going back to a drug, I was like, well, just a little bit here. I just need a little hit. Just need a little bit of work. Need a little bit of accomplishment. Need to find my identity in a little bit more doing things. After all, I told people that I would kind of work when I was gone. What? Why would I do that? Expect difficulty, right? This is a test of trust for all of us. Number one. Number two, we need to repent. I know that's a bad word. But it shouldn't be. It should be a gift that we should see it as a gift. Colossians 1 said that Jesus, uh, everything was created through him and for him, and he holds all things together. Remember that song you sang when you were a kid? He's got the whole world. I can't sing right now. In his hands. That's where it comes from, from Colossians 1. He's got the whole world in his hands. And if he has the whole world in his hands, we don't have to. We don't have to hold the world, our own world, in, his, in our own hands. We must repent of trying to cling on to our own world and relinquish it back into Jesus' hands. That is a great start. Because when we do that, we entrust our lives to the hands that cause it to flourish, that cause our lives to flourish. Expect difficulty. Repent. Work. In order to rest, you've got to work those six days. I can tell you that when I can find and carve out a day of rest for me and for my soul, I got to work like crazy the other days. Like I got to work until 10 or maybe 11 o'clock at night some of those days. Because there, the, there, there is work to do. And I'm not saying every night, but there's one night where I go, either I'm going to wake up early and I'm going to jam out before everybody else gets up, or I'm going to stay up late. One or the other, because it's got to get done. You have to work hard in order to be able to set aside those 24 hours where we're just remembering what God has done for us. Expect difficulty, repent, work hard, rest. Rest. You might think, well, how do we do that? What does that even look like? Well, this is a, another quote that I'll put before you. Again, from the same book called The Rest of God. He says, put down all of the oughts in life. If you're uh, an Enneagram One in the world right now, this is, like, is going to be like good news, gospel truth for you right here. Oughts are tyrants. Noisy and surly, chronically dissatisfied. You see, Sabbath's the day you trade places with them. They go in the salt mine and you go out dancing. It's the, o- it's the one day when the only thing you must do is not do the things you must. You are given permission, issued a command, to be blunt, to turn your back on all those oughts. Well, it's no wonder it's a gift. Because that is a running tape in my head. Oh, man, you ought to be doing this. You know, they're going to be expecting that of you. Well, if you don't serve that family, you know they're going to be mad at you and they're going to leave. 
Well, if you don't do this, if you say this, oh, oh, Sabbath rest, just give me a break from those that running tape. And let remember instead, push play on a different wavelength. Oh, I'm satisfied in you. So happy with you. So proud of you. I delight over you. I've purchased you. You come sit at my table. You come get some rest. Can, you need something to eat? I'll feed you. You thirsty? Have you ever been around somebody that has, just has a gift of hospitality? It's one of the beautiful gifts that we had while we were away. We were in California. It was like they thought of everything at this house that we went to. It was like before I had a need, the solution was provided in this home. And how much more the home in which God has prepared for us in his son Jesus. How much more has he, has he thought about what we need? He just says, come and just sit and just remember. Remember, I set you apart. Remember, I make you holy. You don't. Remember, I'm satisfied in you, not because of what you just accomplished or what you will accomplish. I'm not dissatisfied you also because of what you left undone this week. No, no. I'm satisfied in you because of what Jesus has done in you. You believe in that. You know, I know you believe in that, son or daughter, because you're resting right now. You're off the clock. And that does something when we do it externally. It does something for us internally. That if we're not careful, we will, again, explain away into some practical reality. that Oh, we just got to get a few things done. Man, will we, will we truly be a people at rest? Expect difficulty. Repent. Work. Rest, celebrate. You know, when in Leviticus 23, I know that many of us have done our quiet time in Leviticus this week. In Leviticus 23, it starts off with the feasts of the Lord. Feasts, festivals, celebrations. It's time to get down on the getting down. And it starts with the Sabbath. God wants us to celebrate with one another, rehearse this gospel story to one another, to eat pizza or whatever you do to be able to celebrate a, a, like a hard week of work with some people where you just go, man, I don't know, but let's just try to figure out how we celebrate the gospel story and what Jesus has done for us together. Let's celebrate this baby. Let's have a feast. Let's enjoy what God has put before us. It's in these feasts, it's in these times of remembering that we can rest. We recreate what our soul needs. We reorder what our priorities are. Our hearts and our souls are rejuvenated. We restore margin. We start to say no to things that are stealing from us. And you can name what those things are and what websites they are. They're stealing from us. What channels they are on the TV. Restore margin from all that. We refresh. We reconnect with God, with our loved ones, with ourselves with our neighbors, and we rehearse, more importantly, the gospel story that our God is worthy of our deep trust of our, for our well-being, for our finances, for our reputation, or whatever else you would put in the blank. That's the invitation. It's not just for salvation. It's for regular rhythms. And I pray in this next season we'll be a people that would heed. For me, it's going to be hard. I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be really hard but we're going to do it. I'm going to do it. There'll be times when you contact me on a day off and I'm, I just don't answer and you'll be frustrated with me. That's all right. I'll catch you in a couple days. Okay? 
So we all need to be a people of rhythm of rest. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. We don't know how to do this. I don't. I don't know how to do this. Matter of fact, I've refused to do this. I've said, I don't know how to do this, and I won't. And I don't want that to be my life anymore. I want to set apart as holy. I want to, I want to believe you when you say that if we don't do this, we're going to die. And it may not be physical death. It may be relational death. Maybe spiritual distance from our creator and our God. Maybe that we just forget the gospel story and your goodness for us. Lord, whatever we need to say no to, give us the courage to say no to it. Whatever we need to say yes to, give us the the, the ability, the power to say yes to that. I don't know what this week looks like for everybody else, but I'll bet you, and I hope and pray, Lord, that this afternoon will look like, what does the Sabbath look like for us this week, honey? How can we take 24 hours, and we we just don't do much? We cease from where we get our income. Cease from the aughts. We just turn off, turn down and slowly off, turn the volume off of all the aughts that are speaking to us. Let us find our full approval, not in how quickly we respond to texts or emails or phone calls or if we're going to do this or do that. Let us find satisfaction in you. Let us turn the volume up on the Holy Spirit who longs for us to just sit still long enough so that we will know he is God. Help us in the days ahead. We trust you and we love you. Counsel, convict, comfort as you see fit. We're yours. It's in Christ's name.